Joining me for a look at the day's market's activity is Antonio Senatore from Cartesian Capital. Antonio, thanks so much for joining us today. Now, sentiment has been sour this week with U.S. Treasury yields climbing and geopolitical tensions just adding fuel um, to the fire. What have you made of um, trade this week, considering how traders have been dumping riskier assets? Yeah, so as you as you mentioned, the JC it's down to its lowest level in about two weeks, um, in line with global markets over the concern of that Israel-Hamas war um, and that escalating into a larger regional war, which which is driving investors away from risk assets. And secondly, the market is focused on the rising U.S. long-term borrowing costs, which is evident. Uh, from the U.S. 10-year Treasury yield reaching over 5%, which is the highest it's been since 2007, and because inflation expectations are remaining higher. Now, for 15 months now, the U.S. Treasury yield curve has been inverted, and we know that an inverted yield curve historically is a strong predictor of a recession. It was inverted by 107.5 basis points as recently as July, but now that number has dropped to as low as 20 basis points, which is the least inverted it's been in the past 12 months. Uh, usually, curved disinversions often happen because shorter yields come down. But this time, it's different. Longer-term yields are rising faster than short-term mm. yields, and we call that bear steepening. And when this happens in an inverted curve, it's a strong indicator of a recession. So it's indicating that a, a recession will soon follow. And I'd also argue that the U.S. Conference Board's leading economic indicator is the best indicator of a recession. And both these indicators are pointing with a fairly high degree of certainty that there will be a recession. I mean, the U.S. economy has been proving to be somewhat resilient. The theme around inflation and monetary policy has been driving markets and those growth concerns also come in there. Inflation is being has been proved to be quite difficult to tame this year. And just yesterday we had Fed Chair Jerome Powell saying that Inflation is still too high, leaving more um, room for another hike. Just how much pressure could this then have on the U.S. economy? Yeah, so Powell's comments yesterday appeared to be less hawkish than they've previously been, despite him mentioning that economic data has come in hotter than expected in the past few weeks. Um, and he emphasized that the data shows ongoing progress toward uh, both their dual mandate goals of maximum maximum employment and mm -hmm. price stability. He said the Fed's proceeding with caution, but uh, they're still leaving the door open to higher rates, as you said. But the cost, uh, here's something interesting, the cost of money is higher on a, on a long-term basis, which could be restrictive to the economy and allows for the Fed to potentially hold back on future interest rates, interest rate hikes, because the long-term rates are essentially doing some of the work for them. Um, the market, the Fed fund futures, they're pricing in a 98.9% likelihood of rates staying put in November. Mm. All right, now let's talk about another indicator um, that kind of gives us clues to how the U.S. economy is doing, and that's earnings season. It is heating up, and we've had some reports from Netflix, Johnson & Johnson, as well as the banks, as well as Tesla. Um, more of these reports have been somewhat upbeat besides Tesla. What have you made of um, the earnings reports we've gotten so far? Well, of the 40 or so S&P 500 companies that have reported so far, they've beaten Wall Street earnings per share expectations by an average of 
So it looks like they're off to a good start, especially compared to the previous two quarters where we saw companies reporting declining or flat earnings. Um, on aggregates, the S&P 500 earnings are up 1% compared to the same quarter last year, which is not a huge jump, but uh, a turnaround from the previous three quarters of flat uh, to negative comparisons. Do you think the level of growth we're seeing, earnings growth we're seeing, um, is sustainable considering how difficult doing business is um, with the tough macroeconomic conditions. Yeah, so it, it will be difficult. I mean, the banks uh, with higher interest rates, with their non-performing loans, they're going to struggle with that. Um, Philip Morris reported, um, just to mention them, they reported a slight beat on earnings uh, for the third. Uh, their volumes have grown for the third consecutive year. Smoke products making up 36% of total volumes. Um, but interest higher interest rates are going to affect companies' balance sheets. They, mm. It's going to be harder for them to take on more debt and to expand. So Philip and Morris is trying to expand into smoke-free products. So, uh, yeah, uh, higher interest rates Let's for bring most it, companies make it difficult. Let's bring it back home, Antonio. We've had Tiger Brands. Well, com- a lot of companies in particular back at home are dealing with similar um, problems. Tiger Brands has updated the market saying it expects annual earnings per share to decrease by as, by as much as 9%. Surely these kind of numbers are expected in this kind of environment. Uh, yeah, it is, it's a tough environment. Especially, so with Tiger Brands, they operate, they do branding. So their products are branded products. And in this, this type of environment, uh, consumers have less disposable income and they shop down. So it's very challenging for them. They also announced a change in CEO. Mm-hmm. So... They announced both of that at the same time, and it's difficult to distinguish uh, what's driving the share price. Uh, we, we think it could be a bit of both. Um, uh, but the business has struggled to maintain operating margins. The market may be looking back at past management, not being fully comfortable that they were able to turn around the business in terms of operational efficiency. Um, and they're probably looking at new management as a refresh of new ideas and new operational strategies that could potentially turn that business around. But what, what do you think about that move in particular, um, about um, Noel Doyle resigning, particularly when we look at the kind of leadership exodus we've been seeing this year um, from JC-listed companies? Is running a business in SA just proving to be difficult? Yeah, <laughs> you know, something interesting with this trading statement is that the new CEO uh, is in a, on a contract of 26 months, which is mm. interesting, uh, whereas RMB... Um, RMB had a proper succession plan in place. Um, they knew who was coming in and going out. And Tiger Brands, it's almost as if he's acting as an interim CFO. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's true. We've also had another change at the helm, and that was at Pick and Pay. The group has brought in former exec Sean Summers, and he's going to be calling the shots at the retail group. He's been tasked with turning Pick and Pay's fortunes fortunes in the presentation earlier this week he said that he hopes pick and pay's fortunes turn in the next 18 to 24 months what's your sentiment around this company and summers i mean pick and pay is somewhat of a laggard in that space right now yeah so uh sean summers was a great ceo the company did very well and the share price did very well during his time uh, but they've struggled uh, to reinvent their stores and there's been stiff competition because they're not getting 
the mix of LSMs, right? So from their quality safe stores, they're not attracting ShopRite clients. And from their fancy stores, they're not attracting Woolworths clients. Now, his main strategy will be to bring the pick and pay brand back into prominence within the SA, with the SA consumer. And he comes with knowledge and history of the company to put it on the right path. But like you said, it will take some time. So the share price in the near future will probably remain under pressure mm. until they see some signs of recovery. Over in the mining sector, Marafe Resources released a production update. The miner has reported a slump in production, blaming this on market conditions. Is this a counter you look at? And if so, just unpack this update for us a bit. So we don't uh, follow this counter uh, deeply, but it was a very short production update. Their ferrochrome production fell by about 21% from the comparative period. They previously reported that there would be a pullback in production as a result of market conditions, as you said. But our ferrochrome is used in stainless steel production. Global demand uh, for commodities uh, is is lower. So China, for example, is not building as much and stainless steel will be used in, in building industrials and there's just lower demand in that space. And so, no, now, um, Marafa is not your stock pick, but you are still seeing value in the mining sector. What are you betting on today? Goldfields. Ah, just tell us more about why you're picking Goldfields as your stock pick. Well, gold acts as a safe haven asset in times of geopolitical turmoil, but with a slight lag. After the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it took gold 13 days to run up 7.21%. And post the 9-11 terrorist attacks, it took gold 18 days to appreciate by 7.1%. As of today, the gold price has already spiked over 8% since the 7th of October Hamas attacks on Israel. And I realize that Goldfields is up more than 30% month to date. But uh, this is really a leveraged play on the gold price and the share is still 18% below its 52-week high. All right. Thank you so much for your insights and your time today. That was Antonio Senatore from Cartesian Capital.